0: Well, if we go back to the Olympics in 1996 for decades, the Russian gymnastics team had dominated the sport and the final round of the final day, the United States gymnastic team was just a fraction of a point ahead and Carrie Strug was leading this team to victory and she was getting ready to do the vault. She ran down the, the ramp, hit the vault. When she landed, she tore ligaments in her ankle. And she fell. After her, a couple more people on her team fell. This gave an opening for the Russian team to take the lead. And it came down to needing Carrie Strug to do one more attempt. And again, she had torn the ligaments in her ankle. Her team said, we need you to do this. You have to do this. And it's fascinating to watch that video. You can watch as she hobbles up to the starting line to to run down towards the ramp. She takes a deep breath, and when she lifts her head, her eyes have that focus. And, of course, as history tells us, and we all remember, I'm sure, she runs down, hits the ramp, goes over the vaults, lands on one foot, and the world erupts. And she brings her team to the victory, and they win the gold. The Olympics, they move us all Spiritually, because they remind us of the potential in each one of us to live, as we have said many times, with a a different standard. A different standard is when the things that we should do become, I must do this. It's one thing to say, you know, I should pray more, to I must pray more. Or I should be a better husband or wife, to this is a must. I, I can no longer allow things to be as they are. You know, Lee Jenkins, he played for the NFL for one year. He was injured at the end of that year, which brought his career to a a screeching halt. He said, you know your career is over because you'll get a phone call and they'll say, bring your playbook. And he showed up at the office after that call, turned in his playbook. He said, they they shook his hand, then they had a limo for him to ride back to the hotel and he would go home from there. He said, with him, though, were two linebackers, these men over 300 pounds. And he said it was something else to see these giant athletes weeping like babies as their careers were over, too. He said he realized I needed to find out and figure out what I was going to do with my life. He said, during that time on the road that year, I saw men very often cheat on their wives, behave in ways very unbecoming. And I realized I didn't want to do that. And today he's a pastor. But I like what he said though about his own story and yours and mine. He said, God is able to do remarkable things in your life, but only when you begin to do things his way. On the screen, you'll see the symbol for the fifth letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It's the letter that we would pronounce in English, hey. Now, in our alphabet, we say, a and b and c but in hebrew and greek they have words for the letters so in greek the a is alpha the b is beta so this is the hebrew letter hey we'll come back to this it's an incredibly crucial spiritual lesson for all of us habakkuk 600 bc said god's radiance is like the sunlight he has rays flashing from his hand there is the hiding of his power where is the power of god hidden in his presence whereas his presence promise is now Christ in you the hope of glory but notice here proverbs 25:28 which tells us the man who has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls someone who has no rule over their spirit they can't control things like their their anger or their fear or their temptations. They're like a city without walls. In the Old Testament, a city without walls was in chaos. People would invade that city and steal from that city, and there was fear and stress in that city. And Solomon says if you can't control your emotional state, your life is chaos. Others are always causing you stress. And how do you control your emotional state? Well, again, you have a different standard for life. You rest in the promise that the power of God is hidden in His presence. His presence now is not just with you, but the promise is He is in you. Things that we can do to control our emotions, again, the way that you use your physical body. If somebody's depressed, they drop their shoulders, they they have their eyes to the ground. Somebody that's strong, confident, and happy, their shoulders are back. So watch how you use your body. Just as important, how how do you use language? Do you say things like, you know, this is the end. There's nothing that can change. Or do you say, I can do all things through Christ. He's trying to teach me something today. And what do you focus on? Do you picture what things are at their worst? Or do you picture things as they can be seeing them like Jesus taught us to see things from his perspective as finished and complete? We'll see an example of that here in just a moment. But as we've said before, the the best Definition of leadership and self leadership that I've heard is see things as they are, but not worse than they are. But we live in a culture that constantly magnifies negativity. You know, that's why it's important. Like Jim scenario shares, never allow anyone, no matter how much you respect them or how prominent they may be in your life to define your destiny or to limit you to what place they see you in or how far you can go. Always a wonderful example of somebody that faced that, Colonel Sanders. When he retired, he didn't have enough money to support his family at the level he wanted, but he had this chicken recipe. He decided to sell that recipe for money. Now imagine this, traveling the country, sleeping in his car. He went to 1,000 restaurants. Most people would not go to 10 and be told no. He went to 1,000 to sell the recipe. Nobody would buy it. So he finally just said, I'll open my own restaurant. And of course, he opened Kentucky Fried Chicken. You know, again, seeing things not as they are, or not worse than they are, but see things as they can be, and then make them as you see them. Notice John 14, verses we all know by heart. Jesus talking to the disciples says this, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me. The key word there, though, for us today is let Let not your heart be troubled. That is a word of permission. You and I have control to give our heart to fear or to faith. We allow these things to come into our life. And Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. Don't be like that man Solomon mentioned, who's like a city without walls because he can't control himself. Rather be strong and rest in faith and who you are in Christ. Notice here a fascinating story, Luke chapter 6. Jesus here, we're told the Pharisees are watching everything happening and they're thinking very negative thoughts about what's taking place here. Luke chapter six says this, Jesus went into a synagogue. He was teaching a man with a crippled right hand was there. He said to the man with the crippled hand, stand up here in the middle of everyone. The man got up and stood there. At this point, the Pharisees, they're getting angry. They don't want the service interrupted And they don't believe that healing miracles should be taking place because they know if people see this, they're going to follow Jesus. What does he do, though? He says to the man with the crippled hand, stand up in front of everyone. And look what he says. He then said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he did, and his hand was restored whole. Stretch out your hand. That's the one thing this man could not do. But Jesus saw things differently. He sees things as they can be. He sees things as already finished. He calls us to walk in that same faith and to say, you know what? Maybe it's your marriage is not where it needs to be. Begin to speak over that marriage things that are blessing that and see things as they can be. Again, dabbling in things never changes lives. We need to be fully committed in our walk in Christ and say, you know what? The power is hidden in his presence. His presence is now promised to be in you and in me. That's the hope that we have day to day, moment to moment, which brings us back to this symbol here, this fifth letter of the Hebrew alphabet, the hay, which is really an H in English. Probably the most significant moment that you'll see the importance of this letter Genesis 17, a chapter I've mentioned before to know frontwards and backwards. Notice what takes place here. Just a reminder. Abram falls on his face before God and God said to him, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you. You shall be a father of many nations. Here's the key. No longer shall your name be called Abram. That word Abram, means exalted father. He says, Now your name shall be Abraham, which means father of multitudes. I have made you a father of many nations. In the Hebrew here, Abram, the letter Hay was added to his name. And so we pronounce it then Abraham in English. One more thing though happens. You notice he says, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai any longer. A word we don't really know the meaning of Sarai. But her name got changed to what? Sarah with an H, which means princess. An H was added to her name. These are spiritual analogies for you and for I. What is taking place here? Well, the H the fifth letter of the Hebrew alphabet gets added to names because spiritually that H is added to our life because H, the way we pronounce it again, is hey, it's a spiritual word that means breath. It's a letter that means breath. And so what happened to Abram is he was given the breath of the Spirit of God and named not Abram, but Abraham. Sarai received the breath of God, so she had an H changed to her name, and now she is Sarah, Princess. Well, that is tremendously significant, as you'll see here when we look at the way the sacred name is spelled in the Old Testament. In English, it is Y-H-W-H. Hey, the fifth letter of the Hebrew alphabet, Is two letters of the sacred name. And again, that sacred name, most have believed that it's it's Yahweh, and it's translated as Lord in English Bibles because there are people that believe that you shouldn't say that sacred name, but those are traditions that people have. The reality is 7,000 times those letters, Y-H-W-H, are there in Scripture. And God says, you shall know my name, that it is that sacred name. Now, the way those letters are said in Hebrew is yud He vav hey. So Yahweh or Yahweh is the way that's pronounced. Why is that significant? Well, here's the key. This is a lesson I hope that everybody will take and, and not forget. Because where is the power of God? Well, it's hidden in His presence. And where is the presence? The presence, we are told, is now the mystery revealed, Christ in you, the hope of glory. The reality is that H has been added to our name spiritually. That breath, that spirit, by God's grace, is now imparted to you and I by the grace of God through faith in Christ. But the very sacred name itself is a reminder of something profound. We say, again, those letters as Yud, He, Vav, He. He is how we say that fifth letter in English. The reality is, it's the sound that you make when you breathe and you exhale. So if you just simply... Take an exhale, that is really how you pronounce that fifth letter. Why is that significant? What is the picture being painted for you and I? That sacred name, the presence of God, the spiritual H, the hay, the breath. Every time you and I take a breath, that sacred name is there upon our lips. How profound is the presence of God? How profound is the gospel of Christ? How far will he go to grab your attention and my attention? Every time you exhale, you are speaking that fifth letter, the spiritual hay, the breath, the spirit imparted by God's grace. So the reality is we could say the sacred name is spelled Yud, breath, Vav, breath. Every breath, thousands of times a day, is there to remind us that there is grace greater than all our sin. That there was a time in the past We're told when the Spirit of God was with people, but through Christ and His triumphant entry at the ascension into the heavenly court, poured out the Spirit. And now that Spirit, that H, applied to our life. And every time you and I take a breath, it's a reminder of that presence hidden now in you, in me. That's why the psalmist, Psalm 139, would put it like this. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, the grave, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn and dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will lay hold of me. Yud, hey, vav, hey, yud, breath. Vav, breath, every exhalation, a reminder, His presence. What does that look like in spiritual living? Let me give you a profound story by Steve Shepard. Twelve years old, he and his father went to a carnival. He said, the people in front of us, very memorable, because there was a husband and wife and There with them, eight children. He said, you don't see families that big. And he said, I don't know their story, but their clothes, kind of battered. You could tell, financially, they were struggling. But he said they were so happy. And the husband holding his wife's hand, me and my father behind them, they went to the ticket counter next. The man said, tickets for me and my wife are eight children. He said the clerk then told him the price. And the man said, excuse me. She then repeated the price. He said, you could just see the life drain from this man as his shoulders dropped. And he was looking in his wallet. He said, without missing a beat, my father threw $20 on the ground. Tapped that man on the shoulder said, excuse me, sir. I think you dropped your money. He said that man took that money, locked eyes with my father, grabbed his hand with tears and said, thank you, sir. He turned around, the children, none the wiser, paid for the tickets and off they went excited. He said that's not the end of the story, though. He said, my father and I did not go to the carnival. He said, rather, we went back to our car. He said, that was our money for our tickets. He said, but here's the thing. My father and I had the best time that night. We had the most wonderful day. Because he said there was nothing like watching a moment where in living flesh, my dad could be the hands and feet of Christ, could bring the light into a situation that was becoming desperate, could give the love of God freely because freely he had received. And there in a moment, and there at a carnival, there in this quiet time, this unassuming place. I learned the power of God. It's hidden in His presence. Every breath, yud, hey, vav, hey, thousands of times a day to remind us, just as David said. Where can I go from your Spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me. Your right hand will lay hold of me. To begin to see things, not just as they are, but as they could be. Because the presence, now the breath of God is in you, is in me.